0: Paul said in verse 2 to the church of Corinth, I fed you with milk and not with meat. Milk and meat. Now Paul says in verse 1 of chapter 3, And I, brethren, he was speaking to Brothers and sisters in Christ. He was not speaking to unbelievers. He was speaking to brethren. And he acknowledges them as such. Brethren having the same Father. You know, I love the way the Lord teaches us to pray, Our Father. We're all part of an hour. That's the brethren. Our Father who art. In heaven, we have the same Savior. Brethren have the same Savior, don't they? We have the same hope. And He says to these brothers, and I, brethren, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual. Now, He had been speaking of the natural man and the spiritual man in chapter 2. We considered that last week, natural or spiritual. And he says, the way I'm having to speak with you, I'm not able to speak with you as spiritual men, but as carnal. Now, in chapter 2, the spiritual man was the saved man. The natural man was the lost man. In chapter 3, he's dealing with spiritual Maturity. He says to these believers, I could not speak to you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, as unto immature babies, is what he calls them, your babes, your infants. Now, spiritual maturity. Don't you want to be spiritually mature, whatever that means? Don't you want to be able to feed on the meat of the word and not the milk only? Spiritual maturity. Now, he says to these people, you're acting like lost men and women, men and women who don't know God. That's what you're acting like. You're carnal. You're acting contrary to how a believer should act. You ever do that? Sure you do. Do you ever act like an unbeliever? Do you ever think like an unbeliever? Do you ever talk like an unbeliever? Sure you do, I do. And he's addressing the church of Corinth uh, in this light. Now, he's actually picking up where he left off in chapter 1. Let's look at these verses again. Verse 10, now I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now that is what has power with a believer. I'm asking you to do this for Christ's sake. This is the name that I'm calling upon to move you. I beseech you, brethren, by the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing. And there be no divisions among you, but you'd be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Is that possible? Yes. Believers believe the same thing. It should be that way right now. Everybody in this room, and perhaps it is, we all believe, we all speak the same thing. That's the way it ought to be. Remember when Peter spoke in his general epistle, writing to them that have obtained like precious It's just alike. We have the same belief. And if we differ on something, something's wrong. Either one of us or both of us are wrong. Paul says, I beseech you in Christ's name. You can be sure this is displeasing to him. When we're not all speaking the same thing, that's displeasing to the Lord Jesus Christ. When we're not all speaking the same thing with no differences, if we're not speaking the same thing, that means there are divisions, and that is wrong. The gospel is one gospel. We're called upon, as Paul said, to be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That does not mean cookie-cutter Christians that all look alike. That's not saying that at all. That is not uh, speaking of being brainwashed to conform to something some man says. It means true agreement, true unity, not uniformity, but unity, being one in heart, one in mind, having the mind of Christ. And if that's not the case, it's wrong. If I hold to something that I believe the scriptures teach, that the scriptures do not teach, there is always a sinful motive behind it. Now that's just true across the board. If there's something that the scripture teach and I don't see it, I see it in another way and I believe something that the scripture does not teach, I always have a sinful reason for holding that position. There's something wrong with me. Anything I believe is contrary to the scripture. If I hold to that, I've got some kind of motive. I've got some kind of agenda. It's not innocent. It's not, I might not realize it, but it's not innocent. There is something wrong. Now, he says in verse 11, To the church at Corinth, it has been declared unto me of you, my brethren, by them which are of the house of Chloe, that there are contentions among you. And I'm sure Paul was grieved by this. I'm sure Chloe and his house were grieved to tell Paul about this. They were brokenhearted. There's contentions among you. That ought not to be. Everybody is to be on the same page. Christ. And the house of Chloe was grieved over this. Now, he gives us some idea what this looks like in verse 12. And this I say that every one of you says, you have one group that says, I'm a Paul. I believe you profit more under Paul's ministry. I think you grow more under Paul's ministry. I think you understand more over Paul's ministry. Paul's a better preacher. And I get more out of Paul. Now, I realize, let me say this, there's some, everybody's got a preacher you'd rather hear than somebody else. I realize that. Somebody says, it's not me. I don't believe it. Yeah, you do. Uh, somebody says, who's yours? I'm not telling. <laughs> you're never going to know. I'm going to keep that quiet. But uh, everybody thinks like that to some extent, but when you start pitting one against the other, well, Paul's got a clearer grasp of the truth. I'm, and what you're saying is, I've got a clearer grasp of the truth. I've got a more judicious ear I I have more discernment. I have more understanding. There's some competition going on at that time. Somebody promoting the flesh is what it comes to. I'm a Paul. Somebody says, "Not me." Paul Paul's a, Paul's. A, he's not a very good speaker. Uh, I'm not moved by his preaching. Uh, you know, the Scripture says his bodily presence is weak and his speech is contemptible. Now, Apollos, he's an eloquent man. He's a powerful speaker, and I'm moved. When I hear him preach, I get much more out of, of Apollos' preaching than Paul's. Paul's too logical. I like to be moved. Somebody else says, Peter's been around longer than either one of them. And you'd get a lot more benefit from hearing Peter. You'd be better off. You would be a better believer by, he's been around longer. I mean, he was with Christ during. His earthly time. You're better off with Peter. And then you have somebody that's real pious. Says, I don't follow any man. I'm of Christ. I follow Christ. Not a man. I follow Christ. Real pious person. I don't need to listen to a man. I follow Christ. Now, that is a contentious spirit. That's making divisions. That is spiritual competition. That's, I know something that you don't know. And that gives me a leg up on you. That's exactly what that kind of thinking is. Like I said, I'm sure the house of Chloe was grieved when they told Paul about this the arguing, the debate, the lack of agreement. And there's always, con- this is always a contentious spirit. Now, listen to this scripture from James chapter 3. The wisdom that's from above is first pure. It's got to be true, or it's not from above. After that, peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of good fruits, without partiality, without. Hypocrisy. And if it's not that, it's not the wisdom that's from above. Now, first it's pure, it's true. But after that, it's peaceable. Gentle. Not trying to hold people's feet to the fire. Easy to be entreated. And if it's not like that, it's not from above. Now, this I say, verse 12 every one of you say, If I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I of Christ. Is Christ divided? Are there divisions within the body of Christ? Are there different denominations? I think it's so, um, I don't want to get it on a soapbox about it, but denominations are purely man-made. Baptists, Methodists, Catholics, Presbyterians, Church of Christ, whatever it is. There's nothing like that in the body of Christ. Those are man-made divisions. There's nothing about them in the Bible Is Christ divided? No. You know, every denomination, this is a competitive thing. Every denomination says I've got a little bit better handle on the truth than that denomination. A little bit closer, a little bit truer. Now, all that does is diminish the fact that Christ is all. No, my denomination has got a better hold on things. Is Christ divided? Now, who is Christ, well, he's God. He's God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. God is one God in three distinct persons, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All God, one God in three distinct persons. Hear, O Israel, the Lord thy God is one God. He's not three gods, he's one God. But he said, let us make man in our own image. He spake as one God in three persons. I think of the scripture in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. Face to face with God. As a distinct person. The word. Jesus Christ. Was with God. And the word. Was God. The same was. He eternally was. He's the great I am that I am. He's the one who spoke to Moses. From the bush. I am that I am. Now God. God. Is simple. Now, what do I mean by that? It means He's not made of parts. He's not part this and part that. He's not part just and part holy and part gracious and part mercy. He's not made of parts. He is always all that He is all the time. That's our God. He's immutable. He is always all that he is, all the time. He's not made of parts. He's not like us. Me and you are made of parts. We're complex. (laughs) Uh, And the complications that arise from being sinners makes it a real issue. But we're made of parts, part this, part that, not God. He's simple. Colossians chapter 3, verse 11, says that Christ is all. All cannot be divided. If all is divided, it's no longer all. Is Christ part God and part man? No. He's all God, just as if he were not man at all. Equal with the Father. Equal with the Father. He's all man. Just as if he were not God at all. This is talking about the two natures of Jesus Christ. All God. 100% God. And 100% perfect humanity. The two natures. Of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's blasphemous to think of him in the end of the way. He's not half God and half man. He's got two natures. Perfect, absolute deity. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. Now, what was Paul concerned about with the Corinthians? We'll turn over to 2 Corinthians for just a moment. Verse 11. Would to God you could bear with me a little in my folly. And indeed bear with me. What folly. That he always had to defend himself with these people. And he said bear with me. For I'm jealous over you with a godly jealousy. For I've espoused you to one husband. That I may present you a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear. Lest by any means, as the serpent beguiled, deceived Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the, what? Simplicity. The onlyness of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? Not Christ and, Christ alone. That's what that means. Not dividing up Christ. Christ alone in everything that that means. Christ only. Christ only is the message of scripture. Christ only is the ground of salvation. Christ only is the object of my faith. Christ only is my motive. Whatever Christ only, the simplicity that's in Christ, not Christ and, Christ alone. Christ and is a divided Christ. Is Christ divided? No. No, he's not like his father. He's not like his father. He is, a, He said, he that has seen me has seen the Father. I'm, I'm making a wrong statement if I say he's like God. No, he's not like God. He is God. He's not like God at all. He's God the Son. God is simple. Jesus Christ is simple. He's pure Godhead. Simple. There's no mixture there. He's simple in this sense. He's pure, perfect manhood. He cannot be divided. <clears throat> now, back to 1 Corinthians 1. Verse 13, he asked the question, is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? I thank God that I baptized none of you but Crispus and Gaius, lest any should say that I baptized in my own name. I baptized also the house of Stephanas. Besides, I know not whether I baptized any other, for Christ sent me not to baptize. Now, he's not saying we shouldn't baptize. Baptism by immersion is my confession of Christ. He's not saying that's no longer relevant. He's saying I didn't come to do anything to baptize people. I came to preach the gospel. To preach, to declare the gospel. Not to explain it away, not to try to make it understandable, but to declare what God says. Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of words. Trying to make the gospel less offensive or more appealing. Lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. And then he goes off into what is one of my favorite passages of Scripture of all. There, this second half of chapter 1 and chapter 2. And then in chapter 3, he's picking up where he left off. And I love the way Paul does that. He'll, he'll just go off into this glorious uh, statement with regard to the gospel. And now back to the, uh, what I was dealing with, chapter 3. And I, brethren, remember, he's talking to them as brethren. And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as unto spiritual... But as unto carnal, even as unto babes, infants in Christ. Now, they're infants and they're adults. And there's, you know, John says there's little children, there's young men, and there's fathers. There are different levels of maturity of a believer. Now, we love babies. We love babies. I, haven't you loved seeing, I mean, there's five or six babies being born the last year here. And we uh, We love babies. But if they stay babies, it's problematic. If uh, they're 20 years old and you're still having to change their diapers and feed them bottles and all the, the care that's involved, we've got problems, don't we? We want people. I want to grow. I want to mature. But he says to these people, I could not speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. You haven't grown up. He says, I fed you with milk and not with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither now are you able. Now here's where I got the title of this message, Milk and Meat. I fed you with milk, and I haven't been able to give you the meat of the word. What in the world does that mean? Well, we've got a scripture in Hebrews chapter 5 that tells us what it means. So, uh, you know, the best way to look at what a scripture means is look at what other, some other scripture that's dealing with it. So turn with me to Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5. Now the writer was talking about Melchizedek, called of God, verse 10, called of God and high priest after the order of Melchizedek, of whom we have many things to say and hard to be uttered, seeing you are dull of hearing. For when for the time you ought to be teachers, you had need that one teach you again. What be the first principles of the oracles of God, and have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. Now there we have it, milk and meat. You've become such as, you can only handle milk and you can't handle strong meat. Now he begins by saying, you've become dull in hearing. dull Uh, what do we mean when we say somebody is dull we're not merely talking about a dull personality but we're talking about just uh the word is obtuse i know what that word means obtuse anybody everybody know what that word means obtuse here's how i learned what the word means i think this is this is funny i was talking to a preacher this been a couple of years ago we were having lunch together and i said i i can't you're not preaching the gospel And he said, you're obtuse. And I thought, I know that's not good. (laughs) I don't know what it means, but I know it's not good. And um, when the lunch was over and there wasn't many pleasantries exchanged, to be honest with you, but uh, he said some other things to me, but uh, I won't go into that. But I, I got in the car and I said, I turned on my Siri, what does obtuse mean? dull and slow and i should have never told in that because i've heard uh, a thousand times afterwards. you are obtuse <laughs> he was right well okay but uh, dull and slow dull of hearing dull not discerning for when for the time you ought to be teachers you have need that one teach you again what be the first principles of the oracles of god and are have such as have need of milk and not strong meat. Now, what's the milk? What's the milk? We have to have milk. What's the milk? Look in verse one of chapter six. Therefore, leaving the principles, the ABCs. That's what that means. The ABCs, the elements. Leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection. Maturity. Not laying again the foundation. Now, he's not saying you don't preach the foundation anymore, but you don't... La- if you're always laying the foundation, uh, superstructure's not coming up, is it? The building's not going to come up if you've got to lay the foundation over and over and over again. If you don't learn the ABCs, you're not going to become a proficient reader, are you? I mean, the ABCs have to be automatic. As automatic as breathing. And he's saying that these six principles, that this is the milk of the word. This ought to be with us as automatic as breathing. The milk of the word. And if you always, if you always have to be taught this over and this doesn't become automatic as breathing... You're not going to be able to digest the meat of the word. You're like a kid that's going to spit out anything but milk. Anything that's good for them, they spit out. And like, I mean I remember when I was a kid, all the foods I hated. Uh, most children are like that. Now, he gives six. This is, this is the milk of the word. Repentance from dead works. What's that? Any work? before God regenerated you and birthed you into his kingdom was nothing more than a dead work performed by a man dead in sins with no saving benefit. That's what a dead work is. Before the Lord saved me, all I had was dead works. I couldn't believe, didn't know how. Uh, Scripture says our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. Now, before you're saved, before the Lord saves you. Now, if you're saved, the Lord saved you. And you found that out in your experience. He did something for you. Uh, We heard about it in that song we just sang. But before he saved you and did something for you, before you believed the gospel. So he says, well, I, I was saved and then I learned the gospel. No, no. That's impossible. Before God saved you, everything you thought, everything you did was nothing more than a dead work. And you repent of dead works. That's the first thing you do when God saves you. That's the first thing he mentions here. Repentance from dead works. You see that all even your works of religion were nothing more than dead works until you believe the gospel. And the second thing, that, that's the milk of the word. Babies need milk, don't they? Milk's a good thing. And then the next thing he mentions is faith toward God. That's the second thing. Faith toward God. Well, that's talking about more than believing in the existence of God. Uh, That's talking about believing in God our Savior, Jesus Christ. Relying on Him. Faith toward God. Now when you have faith, it's opposed to works. When you have faith, you know you're not saved by your works. You're saved by His works. You know that. That's that's the milk of the word. And then the next thing he mentions is not laying again the, uh, the doctrine of baptisms. Now baptism is... Going under the water and coming back up. That's what it means. It's immersion. But what is the doctrine of baptisms? When I'm baptized, I'm saying this. When Jesus Christ lived, this is my hope of salvation. I was united to him. I was in him. When he kept the law, I kept the law. When he died under the wrath of God, I was with him. I went with him on the tree and I was crucified. When he was raised from the dead... I was with him. I was in him. I was united to him. The doctrine of baptisms is the doctrine of union with the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the milk of the word. Now, it's the meat of the word, too. It's uh, it's it's milk for babies, and it's strong meat for men, too, this thought of union with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he talks about the doctrine of the laying on of hands. Now, let me assure you, this is not talking about some man laying hands on somebody to... to give their approval for them preaching. Like the church is going to lay hands on somebody and now they're, they're uh, recognized as a, a true gospel preacher. No, that's talking about the priest laying his hands on the head of the scapegoat. What happened when the priest laid his hands on the head of the scapegoat? Sin was transferred. Not literally, but it pictured what took place on Calvary's tree. My sin Christ bore in his own body on the tree. Listen to this. Sin can't be two places at once. I'm so thankful for that. It can't be two places at once. He bore it, he put it away, and he gave his righteousness to me. The transference of sin, the transference of righteousness. Now, this is the milk of the word. And then the next thing he speaks of is the resurrection of the dead. There's the milk of the word, the resurrection of the dead. Uh, The Bible knows of three resurrections, the bodily resurrection of Christ. it, It does my soul good to think of him laying dead in that tomb. Darkness, and all of a sudden, he breathes. Why was he raised from the dead? Because God was satisfied with what he did. He didn't have to stay dead. His soul never saw corruption. His body never went through the process of decay. Because he completely satisfied God. He was raised from the dead. And then there's the spiritual resurrection that every believer experiences in the new birth. Dead in trespasses and sins. God gives me life. And then that final resurrection, when I'm raised... Perfectly conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. That's good milk, isn't it? That's the milk of the word. And then he talks about eternal judgment. And I don't miss that word eternal. He didn't just say judgment. He said eternal judgment. This is milk. Somebody says that's deep. Well, it's so. (laughs) I guess it's deep too. But everything God does is eternal because God's God. Eternal judgment. Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Hebrews 4.3 says all the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Everything God does is eternal. And I love the fact that it's so eternal that I was in the purpose of God. I was saved before I was ever born. He saved us. He called us with a holy calling, not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. That's, that's strong meat. Well, I wouldn't deny that, but it's the milk of the word. You know, the milk and the meat is pretty much the same thing in, in some respects. I mean, when I talk about Christ being God, that's the meat for children, isn't it? That's what the youngest child needs to hear. Jesus Christ is God. But is that not meaty? How meaty is that, that Jesus Christ is God Almighty. Now, what the writer's saying, we shouldn't have to be laying these foundations again. You'll never grow up. You'll never reach any kind of maturity until these are automatic. Now, stay in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12. For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God, the ABCs, and have become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat. For everyone that uses milk is what? Unskillful in the word of righteousness. For he's a babe. He's an infant. But strong meat... Belongeth to them that are of full age, who are of mature, even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil, to know the difference between good and evil. Now, let me give you an example. And I've, I've come across this with many people, actually on numerous occasions. Here's an example of somebody getting choking on meat. Christ said, He said, the words of Christ. If you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. That's what the Lord said. How many times has somebody said, That sounds like works? That sounds like works. That means my forgiveness is dependent upon me forgiving somebody and I won't be forgiven if I. That sounds like works. That sounds like a spiritual baby that doesn't have any maturity in the things of Christ. That's what that is. That's choking on the meat of the word. Forgiving somebody, that's the meat of the the word. Me esteeming you as better than me, that's the meat of the word. Loving your enemies is the meat of the word. Taking, willingly taking the lowest seat in the house, that is the meat of the word. Babes don't do that. There's always competition. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. I'm of Cephas, but I am of Christ. Now, back to 1 Corinthians 3. Paul says, I fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither now are you able. For you are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walking as men, lost men and women? Now here's how immaturity and childishness is seen. Envy. What a wicked base emotion. I've got it. I want to be promoted over you. I want to be recognized over you. If I see the way the Lord's blessing you, envy is that feeling of displeasure that the Lord's blessing somebody other than me. I want that. Envy. What a base emotion. Instead of rejoicing in the gifts and grace of others, there's envy and competition. strife, debate over what you think's true. contention, a contentious argumentative spirit. James said, if you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, that's the word he uses. If you have bitter envying and strife in your heart, glory not, lie not against the truth. This wisdom doesn't come from above, but is earthly and sensual and devilish. He said, there are contentions among you divisions dissension where there's uh, where, where where that dissension and disunion is he says are you not yet carnal and walk like unregenerate unsaved men now he's saying a christian a believer a brother acting carnal acting fleshly acting like an unbeliever now what came to my mind about this is i thought i Don't you love the Beatitudes where the Lord tells us what a believer is? It's so beautiful. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they that mourn. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. Now here's what um, I look like when I'm acting like an unbeliever and thinking like an unbeliever. Not poor, but proud and arrogant. Not meek before God, but haughty. A spirit of entitlement. I think this should come my way and it's not right that I'm being treated this way. Not mourning over my sin, but being angry over the sin of others. Look at the sin in the church. Look at the, look at the way people are treating me. Not hungering and thirsting, but being satisfied. I'm okay. I'm all right. Like the church at Atlanta to see you rich and increased with goods and having need of nothing. Not hungering. Not a peacemaker, but a troublemaker. Not merciful, but holding people's feet to the fire. Not persecuted for righteousness' sake, being persecuted for self-righteousness' sake. Not being pure in heart, but being divided in heart. Are you not carnal, and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another saith, I am of Apollos, are you not carnal? Now, what... Is the way that me and you can be a perfect agreement. Let's go back to this. If Christ is all to me, I mean, He's all in my salvation. Everything God requires of me, He looks to Jesus Christ for. He's all in my salvation. I can't say that enough. He's all in the scriptures. He, he's, he's, he's all. If I believe he's all and you believe he's all, guess what? We're at perfect agreement. Perfect unity. Find me somebody that really believes Christ is all in their salvation. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm right there with them unity and whenever there's disunity it's from leaving Christ as all and becoming competitive becoming competitive and jealous and acting like an unbeliever and that's what Paul says to these people you've become carnal but I I want this for every believer I want it for me I want it for you, I want it for us all Christ is all And from that comes true unity. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for your word. And Lord, we would confess that we're so ready to promote ourselves. We're so ready to be envious and strife and division that's just part of the natural man we confess that we pray for forgiveness and we pray that you might by your spirit cause us to be consumed with thy son being all and lord enable us at all times to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace how we thank you for the simplicity Of your gospel. Lord, we ask that you would deliver us from being corrupted from the simplicity that's in Christ. Bless this message for your glory and our good. And as we face this week, we pray that we might be enabled to walk by faith with you. In Christ's name, we pray.